Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. That might have been the ugliest game I've seen in a long, long time. And I have a feeling there's a lot of people that probably feel the same way. But sometimes you got to figure out a way to win ugly. The Ohio State Buckeyes did just that, 21-7. to They knocked off Northwestern in uh, certainly a game that featured some pretty awful weather conditions. we got a lot to talk about here post-game. The good news is the Buckeyes figured out a way to win, and their championship aspirations are still alive. It's our instant analysis post-game show on Buckeyes Now. Coming up here, Buckeye Breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. This is our instant analysis postgame show after Ohio State uh, crept past Northwestern by a final score of 21-7 to uh, on a day that challenged Ohio State in ways they certainly haven't been challenged this year and, frankly, maybe haven't been challenged uh, in an awfully long time. I'm Brendan Gulick alongside Andrew Lind. We're live on our YouTube channel on Buckeyes Now. You can join us for our postgame show and, frankly, for lots of our content over on that channel. But... Please know that uh, if you're not listening live, this is available after the fact as well in lots of different places. And uh, we can encourage you to go to BuckeyesNow.com for all the latest. Andrew, I, I almost don't even know where to start. I mean, this was it, it was such a weird day. Uh, obviously, we're covering remotely today. But the, the pictures and videos we saw from pregame looked embarrassing. I mean, there was no crowd there. I'm sure the weather had, uh, you know, a significant part of that, right? It was, it was obviously an awful day, and anybody that's not living under a rock knows by now that it was a, a day where the winds were blowing 30 miles an hour and gusting to 50. It was raining sideways, uh, and it was going to make for a challenging day. But I, I have to be honest, I didn't think it was going to be as challenging for Ohio State as it turned out to be. Yeah, and like you had mentioned, you know, you, you see the, the pregame photos and videos, the wind's blowing every which way. There's you know, the threat of rain or it did rain at, at different points throughout the game. And yeah, I mean, I think that Northwestern just being one and seven going into the game, they're not going to have really a home crowd there to kind of, you know, I, I saw that they weren't even showing up. The fans weren't, you know, 20 minutes before the game. So that kind of just makes the atmosphere really weird. It was an 11 a.m. local kickoff, you know, just not a lot of excitement for this game. So I kind of expected Ohio State to maybe start slow just because of all those different factors. But yeah, for that to carry over for, almost the full four quarters that that was a surprise yeah I mean I, I I sent out a tweet you know right around halftime I have never seen Ohio State as flat as they were early in the game and and it frankly lasted way too long I mean they just couldn't get any rhythm going a, a team that converts on third down 50 percent of the time this year didn't have a single third down conversion in the first half mm-hmm. and and it it was just it was wild, you know, and, and I sit here and I try to think about the tone that I, that we want to set here on this postgame show, because the reality is 
they won on a day where the deck the the deck was so heavily stacked against them it felt like you know northwestern had a brilliant game plan and the weather enabled them to execute that game plan because all they wanted to do was run the ball and mm-hmm. try to shorten the game as best they could so give ohio state some credit for winning a game that you know for a while you probably felt a little nervous about mm-hmm. um but man it it just it, it it admittedly felt like there were some things going on that that are are now lingering issues not just issues creeping to the surface yeah i mean i i really agree with your first point just about you know they're they're nine and oh at this point you know you're just moving on to the next week and doing what you're supposed to do but there are also those underlying things that the run game issues are still there. Obviously, you know, they, they had to get one yard on third down, didn't get it, went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. And it's the same kind of things. And, you know, I'm kind of reminded of what Ryan Day was asked at his Tuesday press conference about, you know, lining up in the pistol and, you know, them still being successful out of it. And that, you know, that was kind of like, well, what do you want? We're doing what we're supposed to do. But then today they're doing those same things and struggling in those situations. So it's like, okay, well, Maybe does he recognize at this point why those questions were asked because they weren't executing the way that they were supposed to or the way that they had hoped to. CJ Stroud was um, persistent, I guess, in his efforts to throw the football. 10 of 26 for 76 yards is, I mean, by a landslide. It's his worst offensive you know, performance of his career throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess – I appreciate his level-headedness because, you know, you could tell there were some some frustrating moments for him where maybe he made a, a few good passes that didn't get caught. But I, I appreciated that I didn't see CJ riding the emotional roller coaster that maybe we were riding as fans watching the game. Um, mm-hmm. Because there were some, some drop passes that just flat out never get dropped, right? Yeah, um, I mean, there, there he were also, times. He also struggled to throw the ball in the wind. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's really difficult to look at it from that standpoint because, you know, we weren't there. We're not in that situation throwing the ball. We don't know how difficult it truly is to throw the ball in those situations. But at the same time, you know, like you said, there was there was a time that he had overthrown Julian, um, you know, and, and that was probably a touchdown if, if weather conditions were perfect. And, you know, he threw his head up like it was kind of like one of those things like, come on, what am I doing? I, you know, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. It's just not going in our favor at this moment. And I think that, you know, him then having the willingness to say, you know what, I'm going to run the ball in situations. It's not something that I want to do. It's not something that, you know, they necessarily ask me to do, but this is the way that we're going to have to win the game today. And that really showed me a lot. I mean, I can't say that I ever expected him to run for more yards than he'd pass in a game, which is pretty crazy. But at the same time, like, I think just adding that extra little, dimension to Ohio State's offense is what can take them above and beyond because you know there was a time that you know he had the fourth and one run for 16 yards and then the very next time that that Mayan had that 16 I think it was 16 yard no 27 yard touchdown run you know they respected CJ's running ability and therefore Mayan was able to get through so I think that that those little things are going to be a big difference later on. I was literally just about to reference uh, exactly what you said there I think that's super important that I was about to post something on Buckeyes now uh, dot com after we wrap up the show uh, basically about that this is like look i don't expect ohio state to boat race everybody that's not realistic right you there's so many things that go on in a game that you just flat out can't control so 
you got to figure out a way to win. And, and frankly, the, the look of relief on Ryan Day's face at the end of the game, I think says a lot. It's like, Hey, it, this sucked today. You know, we don't, we don't play football in, in this weather a whole lot. I don't care if you're a team from the North or the South that plays in, you know, cold or warm weather ever. It, it's like you, you played in a, in a vortex and like a wind tunnel, right? It was just as hard to throw the ball downfield as it was to or throw the ball downwind as it was into the wind, because mm-hmm. you couldn't judge how, how much touch to put on it. And, mm-hmm. and think about it this way. You know how windy it is when it wasn't just CJ that was struggling. It was Jesse Murko. Jesse mm-hmm. Murko had a really good day, but he couldn't punt the ball with any touch down the field. I mean, he had like a 77 yard punt because the ball hit and it just took off. So, you know, I, I guess I, I certainly don't want to be an alarmist. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the best thing about this game is that CJ showed he could run the ball that Ryan day was willing to call plays for CJ to run the ball. Uh, and, and maybe that just gives opposing defenses down the stretch of the season here another thing that they've got to think about because yeah. Ohio State obviously likes to throw it. That's obviously a priority for them, but you're not going to win a game every single time you do it through the air. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people have kind of thought that maybe he has an aversion to running or can't run just because he doesn't do it. But I think at the same time, if, if he really buys into that and says, you know what, I can change the game just as much in certain situations. And I'm not saying to go and, and run him 12, 15 times like they would with JT Barrett, you know, a couple of years ago. That's not what they, they need from him. That's, that's probably going to get her, him hurt or something like that. But if you can, if you can have three, four or five plays a game where you give him the option of running the ball or even just call a couple plays for him to run the ball, whether it gets very far or not, just having that extra little bit in, in the defense's mind will be, you know, really important to be able to kind of, you know, separate the the defense instead of just, you know, getting in the middle for a run. And yeah, I mean, I think that there were a couple things that really stood out to me, you know, that, that they still need to improve. I mean, the running game, this has been an issue for three weeks in a row now. And I think that, you know, we kind of expected them to run it. Obviously, Travion not being there, dealing with his foot injury kind of maybe, you know, changed the the, the dynamic of how much Mayan runs the ball versus, you know, getting them kind of split in the carries, if you will. But, yeah, that, that's really just something that still sticks out to me. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Mine ended up uh, 26 carries for 111 yards and two touchdowns and. And I appreciate his toughness and and his willingness to run downhill. <sighs> I think the Buckeyes need to make a change at right guard. I I just don't see enough consistency from Matthew Jones right now. It's not that he doesn't play well at times. He's not terrible, but o- Ohio State's uh, issues in the run game seem to materialize when they run to the right side 
and I don't think it's a Dewan Jones problem at, at tackle. Um, I, I, I watched this game again today and I, I keep trying to, to be appreciative of what I see in the moment, but also keep the bigger picture in mind because this is a winnable stretch of games for Ohio state. And, and you don't want to get too caught in the whole, Hey, they're going to win these next three games. It doesn't matter till November 26th, mm-hmm. but there's an element that you can't ignore around that that exists and they shouldn't get a lot of pushback next week from Indiana. And they probably aren't going to get a huge test from Maryland. Although admittedly their offense can move the ball fairly well. I am concerned about Ohio state at the line of scrimmage because they got bullied in Ann Arbor last year on both sides of the ball and watching Northwestern run out of the wildcat. When you knew they were running the ball, they weren't throwing the ball. Literally, they, they essentially said, we don't care what you think. We're going to run the football. And, and Brendan Sullivan threw it 14 times on the day, and Northwestern ran 59 times. And I, I, don't, I didn't keep track of how many were out of the, out of the Wildcat or not. It, it's infuriating when you're watching a team line up as though they are going to run the ball. You know it, they know it, and you can't stop it. That's, that's not... It's not going to be a winning formula for the Buckeyes down the stretch. They have got to be better at the line of scrimmage on both sides. Yeah, and I mean, on the, on the, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, I kind of think that it was maybe good that this happened just because, you know, we, we've kind of seen them be a little bit predictable, you know, on, on how they run the ball and where they run the ball and those kind of things. But the last two weeks, you can sit there and you can say, it happened against the Iowa, great defense. It happened against Penn State really good defense well this northwestern team was one in seven they, they literally are not a good team by any means whatsoever and at times they were dictating the trenches like that that's something that needs to be fixed and then you know i think that with this the way the schedule is for the next two weeks that allows you to kind of say you know maybe maybe we experiment a little bit you know it just it, it at the end of the day you have to win that michigan game and the best way to do that is to run the ball. And if they can't run, run the ball, then that's going to be an issue. Well, I just wonder about the style points part of this because it's not a computer formula, right? There, there are human beings on a selection committee that are evaluating how good you are. And for the third week in a row, that committee is going to look at Ohio State and say, they're not running the ball particularly well. Now, I think Ohio State's going to get certainly get some credit for the way their defense played, right? I mean, even though Northwestern ran the ball for 206 yards against Ohio State, the Buckeyes only gave up seven points. And at the end of the day, the scoreboard's what matters most, right? You, you, you played a very good defensive game in the grand scheme of things. And if you give up seven points, you're going to win most of the time that you play. But – when Georgia's playing Tennessee and you got LSU, you know, ranked in the top 10, which frankly kind of blows my mind a little bit. You've got an Alabama team that only has one loss that I think is playing a little better than people are giving them credit for. You, you've got a Clemson team that hasn't lost. You know, you've got an undefeated Michigan team that's, that's, you know, right there with you. Like it's only a four team playoff. And there's exceptionally little margin for error if you're going to make the postseason. And so I think 
Ohio State still controls their own destiny here. If they go undefeated, they're going to get in. That's fine. But if they don't go undefeated, you have to be so convincingly one of the four best teams in the country. Mm-hmm. And I am concerned about their play at the line of scrimmage right now. Maybe they don't need to be the best rushing offense or best rushing defense that we've seen in recent memory from the Buckeyes. I don't, I don't expect them to dominate teams. I, I said that early and I mean it. I really don't have unrealistic expectations of Ohio State blowing teams out. That's, that's stupid. It's not going to happen. But they're a little too susceptible right now for a lot of people's comfort level. And mm-hmm. I think when you're, when you're talking about such a razor-thin margin between the teams that are in the college football playoff and those that are knocking on the door – this kind of stuff matters. Yeah. I mean, I think that ultimately though, the, the style points part of it only matters if you lose. And at the end of the day, it's like, if they went out, who cares? I mean, they're going to be a two or a three seed either way. You know, I think the style points then dictate pretty much which Jersey color that you're going to be wearing at the Fiesta Bowl. It's like, you know, I don't necessarily think if you, if you went out that that matters at all, but you know, if, if they do happen to lose to Michigan, maybe that comes into play against the one loss. Okay. Well, you're judging resumes between Alabama, who lost it, th- uh, you know, t- by three on the road at Tennessee, who could potentially still be undefeated. You know, you might be going up against Tennessee with one loss to to number one Georgia at that point. You know what I mean? Like, I think just the the style points only really matter once you lose. So it's hard for them to sit there and say, okay, we need to just rack up style points week after week after week because at the end of the day, you're nine and zero, and that's all that matters. At the same time, though. I do think like if they were playing Michigan, for example, today, they get beat. I don't I don't have any any question about that. And I think that, you know, we we talked about what Sullivan was doing, you know, on the read option and how there was times that they couldn't really stop him. I think that that's something that we saw was an issue against Toledo with their quarterback, who was a dual threat quarterback. Um, and then, you know, obviously JJ McCarthy at Michigan and Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, like they're gonna beat you know, tougher than what, uh, what, what Northwestern was today. And that's something that has to be addressed. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, if they go undefeated, it doesn't matter. Um, and again, I, I'm, I'm just uneasy right now. And I, I feel like there's probably a lot of fans that are uneasy. The goal is to win. They won. They showed they can win in adverse conditions. There's a lot of reasons to feel good about that, but, I, I'm having a hard time removing the wounds of the past for this team that until you beat Michigan this year, those are going to linger. You know, I, I'm, I'm not so much focused on the Oregon game because the, the defense was so young mm-hmm. and they've come so far that I, I'm not really using that as the standard anymore or, or the, you know, the, the measuring stick that you need to get past. It's the toughness that's going to be required to win in the trenches. And as we talked about, even last week, the team that typically runs the ball better in the rivalry game is typically the team that wins. Yeah. Um, I know it's in Columbus and that's going to help. And I don't want every podcast that we do leading up to Michigan to be about the Michigan game. Let's, let's, enjoy the fact that Ohio state's nine and zero, but man, when you set expectations that are as high as Ryan day has set them, you know, he comes out and says, we're not allowed to lose around here. So Mm -hmm. it's justifiable for fans to say, you know, okay, fine. You're measured by whether or not you, you win every game, 
and today they won and that's good the 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 inability to run the ball between the tackles Mm -hmm. and and at times today the inability to stop northwestern when you knew they were running the ball that just leaves me feeling a bit uneasy and i guess that's where i'm stuck i think the thing that kind of where I kind of feel is very similar to after the Maryland game in 2018, where they, they literally survived because the quarterback overthrew the two point conversion attempt, went into that Michigan game. Michigan was a favorite. You know, everybody thought like they're just going to destroy Ohio state. And then, you know, I think just Ohio state was just so, so good at throwing the ball. And I think that that's the thing we talk so much about, you know, that they need to, they need to run the ball and they need to, to fix these things. But at the end of the day, what is what makes Ohio State one of the best offenses in the country is their ability to throw the ball. And sure. we're just I think we're gonna have to kind of forgive them for this game in terms of how they were able to throw it or weren't able to throw it just because of the wind. And you know, obviously if, if November 26 comes along and it's 40 mile an hour winds in Columbus, well, you know, that's that's something you're gonna have to face then. And you then have to hope that everybody is healthy at running back, that you get those issues fixed. But at the end of the day, we know what this team is nine games into it. And I think that the last three weeks have kind of, you know, reinforced the belief that the run running the ball is is not something that they're like going to be great at. So it's a matter of just finding that balance of how much running can we do while also just being very pass heavy and not so much, you know, 50-50 balance. And and to your point, you know, if they don't run the ball well against Michigan, but they play good defense that's probably good enough, right? I mean, the problem last year was a little bit more that they couldn't stop Michigan when they needed to than it was they couldn't move the ball, right? They, yeah. they scored, they, they moved it, that was fine. Right, they threw for 411 yards in the snow. So it's like, yeah, that, that, that necessarily wasn't the issue. It was the issue was being able to block Aiden Hutchinson and then just not being tough enough to stop Hassan Haskins. So, you know, I think that those those are the things, but yeah, I mean, the one thing that just really stood out to me is just, you know, just that ability to stop the quarterback today out of that zone read, read option kind of plays. And, you know, I think that the one thing that surprised me was that JT, uh, Zach Harrison were not always in on those plays. Like they would switch a lot along the defensive line. And that, that, that seemed when, you know, when they were able to get those longer plays. And I wonder if maybe the defensive line rotation is getting a little too long in certain situations. And you just got to have your best guys out there. And I don't know whether it's, you know, we're trying to save those guys for later in the year, just get, you know, reps. But th- I mean, those are important. The third down, when you're up one score, that that's just as important as as a Michigan game in three weeks. I think the play I was most nervous on the entire game was in the second half when Tommy Eichenberg's helmet came off on a third and short and he had to leave the field for a fourth and short. It was something like fourth and one, I believe. And you knew Northwestern was going for it and you were taking your best defensive player off the field. Um, Ohio State's defense, you know, showed me a lot there and stepping up. And and at that point, when you had to make the stop, you did. Um, you know, look, I, again, I'm not trying to overreact. I, I, I try to be as honest as I can. I try to be level-headed in all of our coverage, and I think that's one of the things people appreciate about our shows. Um, but I, I, I'm not going to ignore the frustration when I feel that, too. Um, Ohio State's defense played very well today. They were significantly better in the second half than they were in the first half, uh, which they needed to be, right? Some level of like, 
hey, you got to take some pride on a day where your offense maybe can't move the ball the way that they need to. Um, go out and, and stop guys. And they were good enough for sure. Um, but, man, the, the running game t- today, the number, you know, because they ran for 207 yards, you know, 10 years from now when we look back in the stats for Ohio State, you see what they, what they ran against Iowa, and then you see what they did last week against Penn State. You're going to think to yourself against Northwestern, oh, they got back on track. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe, but not necessarily. Um, there were a couple of chunk plays that helped. I liked the play call for C.J. Stroud to keep it and run up the right side. Ryan Day called it basically a, a break glass in case of emergency kind of scenario when he's going to put C.J. in position to take some hits. He's clearly most concerned about his health. And in some ways, man, maybe we should just sit here and say, hey, in Ryan Day, we trust because he's 43 and four. And that's completely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, see, to, to me, though, it almost feels like you know, we, we've talked so much about what Jim Knowles has been saving on defense. You know, he's we, we haven't went into our bag of tricks and those kind of things that he says. At the same time, I feel like those plays were being saved for Michigan, like CJ running the ball. And that's not something that they wanted to use today, you know, and by any means. But at the same time, I think that, you know, it, it might end up being one of those things where it works out because it's like, hey, look, he can do this. And this is something that you have to pay attention to as opposed to just pulling it out, you know, in that game specifically. Now, that that probably would have made him, you know, legendary if he can break off those kind of runs out of, you know, in a, in a surprise game against Michigan or something like that. But. At the end of the day, they showed that they can do it when they need it. He's willing to do it. And really, that's all that matters. And, you know, I think, I, I mean, to your point, I think that the hard part is we expect so much from this team because of how they played the first six weeks of the season and just offensively how well they've been doing, defensively how much they've improved. But at the same time, we also have to be able to to recognize and understand that there are issues that they need to improve at. And we can't just be like, oh, it was windy today, so we're going to forgive them for it. Like, there has to be that good balance between the two. And, you know, even even though Ryan Day today in his post-game press conference said a lot about, hey, it was windy, it was rainy, you know, you try throwing a ball, you try golfing in that situation, you're not going to be able to do it. At the same time, he's not saying that same thing to the players. He wants them to right. improve in every single aspect, and that's what matters. I guess we end on a positive note. Northwestern had the ball for 36 minutes and 26 seconds today. That's 13 minutes longer than Ohio State, and they only scored seven points. And I, I, I do think there's something to be said for when a team knows we can't beat you at your game. We don't have the dudes to go beat you in a track meet. Mm-hmm. We're going to need to slow the game down. We're going to need to make this thing ugly, and that's our best shot. And, again, I – I know Northwestern football the last two years has fallen on some tough times. I think really highly of Pat Fitzgerald as a head coach. I think he is a terrific football coach. And I I loved their game plan today. They did everything they could possibly do to win that game. And it wasn't enough because Ohio State's the better team. And the mm-hmm. Buckeyes figured out a way to make a couple plays today when they most needed to. But I, I do think it's important to give Ohio State's defense the credit it deserves because even though Jim Knowles hates the bend but don't break mentality, he made that pretty clear early in the year. 
uh, on a day where they needed to lean heavily on their defense. They only gave up seven points, and that's a pretty good performance. Yeah, I mean, to, to back off what you said about just the, the Northwestern program under Pat Fitzgerald, I mean, you know, this is a team and a program that's been to two of the last four Big Ten championship games. Right. They literally were leading Ohio State at the half of the 2020 game. And, you know, look look what Ohio State ended up doing to Clemson three weeks later. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things that you have to give Northwestern a lot of credit just as much as you have to maybe, you know, criticize Ohio State in various areas. You have to give Pat Fitzgerald and his program just, you know, a lot of props for, for putting them in that situation. And really, they did today what we expected maybe Wisconsin to do a couple weeks ago, just, you know, control the clock, try to take it out of Ohio State's hands. And, you know, that that's why Ohio State barely got to 21 points today. Hopefully this is just going to be a blip on the radar as we look back on the season uh, in January. This was not fun. It was frankly, pretty ugly and pretty frustrating. Um, but to Ohio State's credit, man, you're not going to play perfect 15 times a year. And uh, I, I have said often before, the sign of a really, really good team is that they can figure out ways to win when they're not at their best. And Ohio State faced some adversity today that most teams around the country haven't faced this year, um, especially the teams in the South. You know, I, I, I'm not downplaying the quality of of play from Georgia and Tennessee and Alabama and LSU, but they're probably not going to play a game this year in the kind of weather conditions that Ohio State had to play mm -hmm. in today. And I do hope that it is taken into account. Um, you know, the Buckeyes did what they had to do to win today, even if it doesn't pass the national eye test, because as soon as Northwestern scored, every Twitter feed in America mm -hmm started seeing, oh, Northwestern's up seven to nothing and the eyes popping and upset alert. Um, and it wasn't, wasn't an easy feeling, um, but they figured out a way to get it done. So okay, that's really something that kind of stands out to me. I, you know, I'd like to see, you know, a Tennessee go three straight weeks against Iowa's top ranked defense, go to Penn state, which is, I mean, that, I mean, I, I will give, I will give Tennessee the fact that they did go to death Valley and beat LSU pretty handily. I don't necessarily think that LSU is a better team than Penn State is, and I think we'll find out a lot about LSU tonight when they play Alabama. But then, you know, to go into a situation like that when Tennessee throws the ball a ton, I don't necessarily know that they would be able to do that today if they played at Northwestern. So, yeah, I think it's very easy to look at it and say, oh, Ohio State only beat Northwestern by 14, but you do have to kind of look at those conditions too. This the live post game show, and so I'll give you the live update because it's just off screen. Georgia just went up twenty-one to three on uh, Tennessee, and there are fourteen minutes and seventeen seconds left in the second quarter. Yeah. So it's a long way to go. I'm not going to judge Tennessee based on fifteen minutes and forty-three seconds worth of play, but they are uh, not exactly off to a good start down in Athens, Georgia. So okay, and then to kind um, of you know we'll go see. off what we were talking about earlier too, you know if they get blown out. You know, I, I, you know, it's it's very similar to just, you know, saying the Oregon, Oregon, uh, you know, got blown out at Georgia too earlier this year. And everybody kind of sits there and says, even if they go undefeated, do they have a real shot at the playoff? Because they got blown out in their one loss. And I think that that's something we're going to have to monitor with Tennessee too. I'd say I hope you enjoyed the game, but I know you didn't because that's just kind of how it went today. But uh, Ohio State does pull off a 21-7 to win. Uh, and I think it, if nothing else, it gives us something to continue to watch uh, as Ohio State gets ready for Indiana coming to town next week.
Big thanks to Eddie Murata, our producer of uh, our post-game show today. You can watch Instant Analysis live or on demand. We post this on our YouTube channel after it's live, but uh, it's also available wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts. So thanks for uh, supporting the show by subscribing to the channel and hit that notification bell so you can jump in along with us. For Andrew Lind, I'm Brendan Gulick, BuckeyesNow.com. For all the latest, Ohio State 21, Northwestern 7 in an ugly victory for the Buckeyes.